amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The Woman Soccer Review Podcast with Dwayne Rollins and Jonathan Tannenwald on the Sports Podcasting Network. Welcome to the latest episode of the Women's Soccer Review here on the Sports Podcasting Network. This is Jonathan Tannenwald of the Philadelphia Inquirer. It is our NWSL regular season. Well, it's already started. Hasn't it? So we can't do an NWSL regular season preview show. We didn't, obviously, because of the UEFA Women's Champions League final uh, coming around at the same time. So we'll take a look at where things are now a couple of weeks into the season and who better to do that with than... My friend and former colleague, Julia Poe of the Orlando Sentinel, uh, who has been out and about in Orlando from the sense of things. We're on Zoom doing this. Um, I have tried to stay indoors probably a little more than you've had to so far. Is that fair? Oh, yeah, definitely. It's already summer here. It's in the upper 90s already. Ouch. I, I mean, I've been the last time I was down there was when Orlando hosted the NWSL playoff final. And it was October and it was too hot for my for my complexion. Oh yeah, they, it brings it all all year round. Last year during MLS's back, I it was like a fever dream because it was so hot every day. Um, before we get into the soccer, I'm going to say something here real quick about uh, some news that Julia's employer has made lately that a few of you might have heard about. Uh, the Tribune Company, which owns the Orlando Sentinel and a number of other pa- newspapers across the country, including the New York Daily News, uh, the Baltimore Sun, the Chicago Tribune, which is what the company's named for. Uh, and a few others, was recently bought by a vulture capitalist hedge fund company called Alden Global, which has bought and destroyed a bunch of other newspapers around the country, including one in my neck of the woods, the Delaware County Times, whose soccer writer, Matt DeGeorge, some of you may follow on Twitter, he busts it every day. If you all think I do, he does it even more than I do. And works for a smaller paper. I don't think I'm talking out of turn to say that the smaller papers, to say the least, don't pay the same as some of the others out there. Um, he just really works his rear off and Alden doesn't give a damn. Pardon my language. It's my podcast. I can say that. That Technically, it's Kevin and Dwayne's podcast, but I can say it anyway. Um, Alden's a terrible company. You guys have probably seen in the New York Times and other outlets some of the reporting on the way they've just destroyed newspapers across the country. You might have seen a few of Folks who I know who are in Philadelphia who work for the Lenfest Institute quoted in some of those stories. They work down the hall from where my desk is in the Inquirer newsroom uh, and where Julia's used to be back in the day. Um, The guy who owns Alden is named Heath Freeman. 
He is what I would describe as a hedge fund dude bro with a giant mansion out in the Hamptons in New York. And he's a terrible human being. But sorry if he's a soccer fan and listening to this. As far as I know, he does not. And if he does, he probably follows me on Twitter and he's seen everything that I've posted and retweeted from my union and Julia's union and a number of others about Alden. They're really bad, folks. And a lot of us in the industry are a little worried right now for Julia and everybody else who works for Tribune Papers. And I would say what I've said on the show a number of times, which is supporting local journalism is a good thing. I know you're going to say, well, but I don't have the money. I know you're going to say that because you say it to me all the time. And I'm here to tell you that at some point you're going to make a choice that that's what you want to do. Whether you value my work that much or Julia's work that much, if you're in Central Florida or all of her colleagues at the Sentinel or all of mine at the Inquirer, or whether it's through supporting the Sports Podcasting Network's Patreon or whatever else it is. You're going to know when it matters enough to you to put your money where your mouth is. And this is one of those times when I go around saying that we in this business hope that you do that because it does cost money to do the things that we do. And the Sentinel has made, as I'm sure many of you know, among the biggest investments in soccer coverage of any local paper in the country. Going back many years, not just Julia, but Alicia Delgallo before her, Paul Tenorio before that. And they've done a terrific job. So that's my little soapbox spiel. Um, if anybody at Alden wants to complain, write it to the News Guild, Washington, D.C. I think you know the address already. You know where to find us. And with that, we'll talk some soccer. Um, Julia. Jonathan, sorry. The dog's going crazy again. I'm well, go we'll, we'll do a little natural sound here from I'll vamp. Uh, you go take care of Harper. Okay, sounds good. Um, those of you who follow Julia on Instagram know. Uh, that she's got a dog, Harper, and a cat, Goose. And um, Harper, I don't know what Harper's got against soccer. I was under the impression that he didn't have that much against soccer at all, but he's barking in the background, as you can tell. So as I said, I'm going to vamp while Julia goes and takes care of that. I was, and Julia will be here right about now. And I will say, I don't know what Harper has against soccer podcasts because he's usually pretty well behaved when you're out and about, right? Yeah, normally, I mean, normally I put her in the bedroom, but I try not to do that too late in the evening. But all of the kids that live across the hall for me just got back from soccer practice. So she was giving them a piece of her mind as they were loudly clomping on by. I, I have been corrected on her apologies for that. I should have known better. <laughs> no, you're okay. Um, good. How's Goose? She's doing great. She okay. loves Harper. They're, they're little homies. It's really if, cute, actually. If you, if you believe that the cats and the dogs cannot get along, folks, you should follow Julie on Instagram. It's, uh, it's pretty remarkable. It truly um, is. All right, let's talk some soccer because, to start, if my memory of the layout uh, of Exploria Stadium is correct, we're recording this on Thursday night. You were there on Wednesday night mm-hmm. when Alex Morgan caused me to yell at my television, something that was probably unintelligible and not English or any other language, but it was definitely a yell. Um, and if there was any English in it, the first word was holy and y'all can figure out the rest. Um, my goodness, Julia, what a goal that was. It really was. I mean, it was, it was right in front of us in the press box, like you said. And, um, you know, I think everyone who's been watching Alex play 
even casually this year has been able to see just what version of Alex Morgan we're getting right now. And um, I think most folks know that when she's on her top form, it's just kind of something extremely special. But uh, the last few weeks of it have really just been for me personally, the best form I've ever seen play like live in person, um, just in terms of the timing of my beat. I came on mid-2019, so I really haven't seen her playing at the club level while covering her that often. And, you know, that goal and really every goal that she's been able to score this year has really just been at that level of ruthlessness that she's kind of made her brand. And uh, it bodes well for the pride. It bodes well for the U.S. Women's National Team if she can keep that up. I know better than to say publicly that I think she's the best striker in the national team pool. Cause I just get run out of town when I say that, you know, so I won't, I wouldn't dare say that, you know, but she is the leading scorer in the NWSL so far this year, early though, it may be. And I don't think anybody assumes that she's going to win the golden boot uh, because she's going to be gone for a while. Mm-hmm. But as you said, when she's on form like that, there's not many players on this earth who can run with her. And I wonder, have you gotten to talk to her much about any of this so far? Not a ton so far. I mean, this has been a very busy couple of months for her just in terms of being in and out with the national team. So I've been able to speak with her a few times, but I think in general, what I've been seeing from her, from speaking with her in in both capacities is just, like I said, that extra level of focus. I mean, she came back from pregnancy and from the pandemic and everything with a new level of buy-in, especially at the club level. Again, I I haven't been covering it really since she's been fully available to this capacity with how 2019 went for her, but I have not seen her at this level of just being fully bought in the way that she's approaching everything, the way that she's mentoring a lot of the players around her. There's just a certain level of focus and dedication and determination. And I know that she said multiple times before that having Charlie at home has made her kind of dial in a little bit more to training because, you know, she's, she doesn't want to waste a single second. And I really do think you can see that there's just something a little, a little fresher maybe about the way that she's approaching everything right now. And for the pride as a whole, um, we've all been waiting a long time, I think, to see, the pieces come together in the way that they seem to have Mm -hmm. so far. Again, a long time to go. But this is a team that's been loaded with stars for many years now and has not lived up to the billing. We all know that. Mm -hmm. The fans have complained. The players themselves have complained once or twice over time. Does anything feel different to you about this campaign so far than the previous ones? everything feels different about it. I mean, you talk to anyone who is an arm's length away from that program and and they're just talking about how it's night and day from previous years, which is interesting because I think something that always made the pride stand out in the past is that the team seemed to be really close knit. They had a very good locker room dynamic. They, They didn't really seem to have a lot of culture problems in the past, at least externally, even if they were having a losing season. Um, And then you come to this year and it's just another level of closeness and tightness. And um, I think that that's really extended onto the pitch. You have a lot of players that have 
very long backgrounds working together, whether that's, you know, Allie Riley and Ashlyn Harris going really, really way back. Um, you know, some of these players like, again, Allie Riley and Marta, who, um, you know, have, have long histories of playing with one another. And um, I think it just comes down to some of these adjustments that they've been able to make in the type of players that they're recruiting. And that's coming both at the veteran level of bringing in, you know, your, your Allie Riley's, your uh, Gunny Yon's daughter, those types of players, but then also just some of these young players that they recruited last year that they drafted, Korniak, uh, Courtney Peterson, Phoebe McLernan, some of those players have really come out and from last year when they didn't get that rookie season to now have just grown into being NWSL level starters. And that's something that they really did not have before was just kind of that that underbelly of having those young players who can come through like that. So yeah, it's it's completely different. Um, it's, it's very fun to go out to trainings in the morning. The vibe that they have is, is so positive. Um, you know, you've got like Tony Presley bringing crystals and plants into the locker room and everyone's dancing at like 9am every morning to, um, you know, music on the speakers. So it's a, it's a very different feel than I think a lot of trainings have. It's just kind of a, a special group so far. Funny thing is, uh, this morning, Thursday morning, I got an email from a guy with the last name McLernan telling me I ought to pay attention to her. And I'm, I wrote back to him and said, you know, I, 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 I have, I've not written about her much. She's from Phil. She's from the Philadelphia area is the reason why I, mm-hmm. um, I, I might've asked whether the guys related to her because McLernan, even in this town, it's not the most common name you'll ever heard. Um, you know, you mentioned that the chemistry with this lot is so much better. And, and it's a lot of the same players as there have been. And it's the same manager that there have been, has been. I think a few people out there were skeptical of Mark Skinner here and there. And I think I might have been one of them a little bit. Is he any different this year that you've seen? Definitely. I mean, Mark had a very hard 2020. Um, he'll be the first one to say that. Everything that happened with the pride last year with, you know, everyone was hit by the pandemic, but then also having that double blow of missing out on the challenge cup. Um, and, you know, he spent most of last year here in Orlando uh, on a different continent from his partner and his daughter, um, you know, missed almost a full year of his daughter's life. She's very young. So that that's really tough. And I think, you know, when you look at just the, the personal growth that anyone go- went through last year, I think all of us came out of last year, very, very different people. Um, and you, you can see that in Mark in a lot of ways. Um, and I think also just as a coach, he's starting to learn. He's talked about this a lot, how to balance the realities of playing in the NWSL, because he was, again, the first person to say that he was, blown away by the physicality of the NWSL when he first got here. He came over from England and he knew it would be physical, but he didn't know it was going to be physical like that. Like he did not know how they play around here. And, um, you know, I think the first time he said that they played North Carolina and they just had some of those players on the wings, just running you ragged all game. He was like, okay, we need to, we need to start adjusting. So he's figured out how to go out and get you know, some of these physical athletic players, again, like, like a gunny, like an Allie Riley, who can really hang with that style of play. He's figured out how to balance, 
wanting to play out of the back with wanting to be direct, figured out how to get more service up to Alex and to Sydney, both through personnel and through tactics. So he's definitely adapting and learning. And I think, you know, you, you see that with a lot of first year NWSL coaches where they, um, you know, they, they get a little, little bit of a wake up call when they come here. Cause it's such a different style. I, I think the difference Mark had happened is that he didn't get a sophomore season right away. He had to wait a full year for it because of how last year went. So yeah, there, there's a lot of learning curves. And I think also just in terms of being able to temper emotions and expectations that just always gets easier with every year of coaching. So it's, it's definitely a different version of him, but um, I think he's, he's been able to be a lot happier this year too. You know, you're, you're not going through a lot of the hardships of the last few years as early on here. And that's, that's helped a lot with just kind of the whole, the whole tone of how that staff and that team is feeling. And to your point, a little defense doesn't help, doesn't hurt either. <laughs> Not at all. Um, let's take a look around some of the other storylines in the league, one of the which you uh, have been witness to, which is the Portland Thorns um, are losing games at the moment, which does not happen very often. And, you know, are people, I don't know, I don't think anybody's worried per se. But it uh, gets noticed. You know, they've lost in consecutive in succession now at home to the rain, which always gets noticed. Mm-hmm. And then at Orlando. And they're going to go to Gotham this weekend. Uh, I would love to be able to go to that game, but I can't because of all the teams for the Philadelphia Union to be playing four hours later, it's the Portland Timbers. Uh, I don't even know whether, whether the Thorns went back or stayed east or whether they're all flying together or what. I have no idea. Um, but the thorns have lost two games in a row and we now know their manager is going to go to the Netherlands at the end of the year. I can't imagine that has anything to do with it. They're not susceptible. I don't think to this kind of thing, but what do you make of the thorns at the moment being in a little bit of a skid here? Yeah, I, I mean, I think, like you said, it's hard to put too much weight either way. I feel this way for the pride too. Like it's hard to put a lot of weight in the first couple games of the season, especially when, I mean, these three game weeks are just brutal on teams. You see a lot of teams have trap games or just drop a couple games because, you know, the, the, those weeks, like I said, they're just huge physical and mental tests. Um, when, when I watched Portland last night, I didn't think that it looked like a Thorns team that I would be concerned about necessarily. I mean, they were getting chances. Crystal Dunn had several shots that I think, would have challenged a lot of keepers in the league and Ashlyn Harris is a very good keeper. So that was half the reason that the pride were able to hang on. Um, There were several chances that I think they would like to see back, which again, beginning of the season, I don't worry that much about shot finishing because it's, it's early folks are still getting into, into their chemistry. And uh, Sophia Smith, especially came in in the second half and had just a tremendous performance up front. Um, I, I think the pride are happy that they did not have to see a full game of her because she, she really, really was tearing things up for a bit there. So I would not necessarily be concerned about it, especially looking at, look, that pride back line, is completely different than what people are used to. I mean, um, I saw, obviously I was watching the game live, but I saw after the game that apparently one of the commentators made a joke about like Allie Riley is going to be living in their heads for like a week. Um, I believe that she's, she was able to lock down some of the best attackers in the league in a way that the pride really haven't had before. So 
yeah, I, I would not be worried about the Thorns. They had a couple of hard matchups back-to-back, and this is when teams are supposed to be learning at this point in the season. I don't know which commentator it was. I think I had turned off the game by then. But if she's if she's taken this long to get in any other American club's heads, I mean, gosh, she was playing in this country a decade ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, no, nah, you know, it, I've, I've been impressed – and I, I, I mentioned, you know, the, the, the little defense can't hurt with, with the pride, but I, I do think Allie Riley has been a significant addition. And you mentioned Sophia Smith, who folks here know I am very high. And I don't think it's going to be long before she just explodes. Mm-hmm. And um, we'll be tied in her, any club or national team that's going to get in her way because, you know, <laughs> I think the rest of the world in terms of national teams, especially thought, Hey, we might get a minute to breathe here. Once Alex Morgan and Megan Rapino and Tobin Heath retire. Uh, uh-uh. nope. 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 Next wave is coming. Apparently. Yeah. Um, and she's just got, I- I'm not some like savant or tactics expert or whatever, but I can tell enough. I think a lot of us can when watching Smith, the kinds of runs that a striker makes the positions that she gets into, the willing to do the dirty work, which, by the way, has always been Alex Morgan's signature. Yes, she's the Hollywood star with however many tens of millions in the Instagram and Twitter followers it is at this point and all the endorsements. She and it happened again in this game with Lindsay Horan, the guilty party, by the way, mm-hmm. gets pounded every single game she plays for a club and country. And she dusts it all off and keeps on scoring goals. And that, that I, I think is one of the highest compliments to her game. And I see some very, very similar things in Sophia Smith. I want to ask you, I I don't know if you've gotten to watch them much yet, but I want to ask you about Louisville and what you think of them so far. I'm going to call them Ross and Louisville. We are going to call them Ross and (laughs) Louisville on this show. I think people have probably finally figured that out by now, but I'm going to go ahead and make it official. Julia, what do you think of them so far? You know, I, like you said, I haven't gotten to watch them um, as much as I would like to. Uh, My family's from Louisville. So I am just personally on a personal level, thrilled to see women's soccer there. Um, Really excited to have all my hometowns have women's soccer in them now, which is just a beautiful, beautiful sight to see. Um, But I think, I mean, they surprised me in that first, the first match, the challenge cup obviously was Orlando uh, at Louisville. And I think the energy that they were able to create some of the um, some of the technicality that they had in their transition game from the start has very much surprised me. And I think, you know, I wasn't entirely sure about some of the personnel decisions that they made in the off season. Um, and it's, it's been interesting to watch because James O'Connor, who works in their front office, used to be the head coach here at Orlando City. So a lot of crossovers between these two clubs. But I I definitely think that they've been able to put together a much more energetic transition look than I was really expecting at this point. And I mean, seeing some of these players like CC Kaiser who maybe didn't get uh, the the minutes or just kind of the the chances that she would have liked at other teams um, really come in and just kind of make that moment hers. I think that they're, it's just helping the league a lot, how much parity there is. I mean, I don't know what you think about that, but it, it seems like, some of these teams that were expected to come in a little bit lower than they are, are really surprising a lot of folks in a good way. It's making for a lot of, a lot of fun soccer this year. 
I get in trouble with folks in England when I talk about the parody <laughs> because they like to think that they have the best league in the world. Some of us say, well, not yet. Top of the league, yes. But then as we have all observed, some of them come over here mm-hmm. and they kind of realize what it's like when the last place team can kick you in the rear all of a sudden. Um, and I actually think that Louisville is about to get quite a bit better. I think Emily, I think that's I think that Ebony Salmon mm-hmm. is a terrific signing for them. And the kind of signing you mentioned, we were skeptical to say the least of some of their expansion draft picks who are probably never going to play for them, but that's for another day. Um, Ebony Salmon is the kind of player they should have been signing all along to build a young team and build a culture that then becomes attractive mm-hmm. to the big time stars who might want to play elsewhere. Speaking of your hometowns, um, or former cities, cities in which you used to live a few blocks from a stadium where one of them really wants to play, for example. I was thinking, I wasn't even counting. I was even counting my alma mater city in that lineup. So yeah, all, all of my spots are going to have women's soccer in, in the next year. Julia used to live, what, a 15-minute walk from Bank of California Stadium, 20, if that? Like 15 minutes if I'm hustling and not in my backpack, yeah. Yeah. I like guess I guess that can't Julia Julia went to the University of Southern California for folks who don't know, um, and which, as much as everybody likes to talk about why, well, geography lesson for folks who have not been to LA yet. As much as everybody likes to talk about Bank of California Stadium being next to the LA Coliseum, the reason why the LA Coliseum is where it is is because it is across the street from the USC campus, mm-hmm. best university in the world. That's for another show. I would dispute that, as you know. Um, Cross the Mississippi and we can have that conversation some other time. Um, You know, but I. I, You heard the you heard the Angel City joke that I made a minute ago. I'll leave it at that. Mm -hmm. But no, yes, it is going to be next year that all four of the cities in which Julia has spent consequential lengths of time um, will have NWSLC teams as of next year, Louisville, Kansas city, LA, Orlando. She didn't quite spend long enough here for it to be consequential, but consequential. But if you've got any of that karma left, please do send it over because people up here are starting to get a little agitated. I'll send it to y'all and I'll send it to Minneapolis. Yeah, no, Minneapolis. Last two spots. Minneapolis would be just fine by a whole lot of people, I think. Mm -hmm. The question of whether it would be fine by Minnesota United is one we haven't answered yet. And I think one we might like to hear. But that's also very much for another show. Um, What else should we talk about? As I'm looking at the scores and the standings, I guess I want to talk about the Chicago Red Stars for a second. And I get in trouble sometimes when I talk about, I get in trouble for a lot of things, Julie, don't I? You know me for long enough. <laughs> you know, sometimes I watch the Chicago Red Stars and they lack um, dynamism and potency at a certain position that if you say by name, you get run out of the gym among a certain sect of the women's soccer community. But I will note that last night um, they scored two goals and they scored two pretty good ones. And Kelly Watts scored one of them. Uh, 
which might might mean that they finally got something cooking because I there was I think maybe a little more skepticism about that Red Stars team coming into this year than people wanted to admit. Mal Pugh played well, not well enough in a one-game sample to make the Olympic team before anybody asks, but you start to see a couple of hints. Maybe now this team can get on a little run here and make some hay. I wonder if they'll do that, whether the big stars are out. Of course, if they do, we'll hear about it plenty. Um, but I, I, what do you think of them so far? I mean, first off, you have to address the obvious elephant in the room, which is that Earth's injury just is always going to is always going to punish a team. Um, and that, that's something that no one wants to see. So I, I think that bouncing back from a combination of that and, I mean, just the emotional toll of taking that first loss that they did, of getting blown out like that. I mean, those two things really do require a lot of locker room chemistry and leadership to be able to bounce back from this quickly. So I think if I'm a Chicago fan, I would be feeling very encouraged by that bounce back happening that quickly because it is very easily easy for that to kind of sit in the gut of a team for a couple weeks and to take, you know, several performances to really work through. Um, and then in terms of the match last night, obviously it was happening during um, the pride match. So I didn't get to watch a ton of it, but my mother, who is a season ticket holder of Kansas city, um, just texted me at one point in the second half with pew and then a little sad face emoji, um, which I feel like pretty much sums up what she did to to your mother. Well, to my mom and to Kansas city as a whole, but especially my mom. And I need her to apologize to my mom. But besides (laughs) that, um, I really, I really do think that that a a lot of the things that have come together in the last two games for them should be encouraging, you know, uh, Portland is always going to be a team that can dole out, especially if they get onto a streak, just really heavy losses like that. So being able to recover from it, I think that's a good sign. Again, we're very early in the season. Um, but I think that one of the things that they need to get onto very quickly is just being able to finish. I mean, some of the expected goal stats that you see out of Chicago's games are brutal um, in terms of just what they're able to convert and finish. And if you want to bust out of an early emotional rut like that, you, you gotta, you gotta start feeding some of your, some of your players up top just to get them kind of out of that place and over that hump. Thank you for saying that because that's the thing that I get in trouble about when I say it about the red stars. Um, I had forgot. I, I can't, believe that i forgot about the earth's injury by the way you'd think that of any of the players that i should be watching in this league right now that that would be one of them um we're not going to see her for a while i assume we will see her play for the u.s at least once hopefully more than once before they get on the plane to japan but um i will be gobsmacked if she does not go She's a truck. She's built like a truck. She's going to Japan. I mean, I I was surprised that when Vlatko said the other day that she was already up and jogging. And then I was surprised that I was surprised by that because I genuinely think that she takes hits better than her husband who plays in the (laughs) National Football League. And that's that is not that is not me ragging on her husband. I just genuinely think that she takes them. 
that well. Her her husband has taken a whole lot of them, mm-hmm. and I have I've uh, part of my profession, as you know, is to deal with it when that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, how much of the rain have you gotten to watch yet? None. None. Okay. Zero. Big mistake. I'm I'm going to ramble about them for a second. I I think. I've been intrigued by them for a while. And I think I've been a little more intrigued than some other folks have been because I keep hearing out of there that the players actually like Fareed Benstidi quite a bit. And obviously a lot of people over here are very critical of him for a lot of reasons. And there was the public and so on. And I, you know, the number of times that I heard that the players like him, I sort of thought, well, I'm going to listen to the players then. I'm going to reserve judgment on. Well, then they go out and they beat the Thorns in Portland, which any number of rain teams over the years with more popular managers did not do. And again, all of this is early, but, and they're going to lose Megan Rapino for some extended period of time here soon, although hopefully not before June 5th. I gather that weekend, not this coming weekend. The first weekend of June is going to be the last one before the U.S. players head off to camp for the June series, which means maybe we might just see Megan Rapinoe and Rose Lavelle playing for the rain at Gotham on June 5th. I'm looking forward to going to that game. Um, Jess Fishlock's going to be in an almighty mood, I suspect, because she didn't make the Great Britain Olympic team. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't know why, but I'm glad I don't have to pick that team because all it does is just get people angry in terms of who who gets left out with that one. And puts, you know, with the U.S. is one thing, but the U.S. doesn't have quite the political situation that Team GB does when they're picking out of England, Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland. Um, Fishlock, we saw on Twitter, did not exactly hide her sentiments on the subject. And if she decides to take it out on the rest of the NWSL, I won't be overly surprised. However, I'm not sure. I mean, they're going. They're, at some point here, they're going to be absolutely stacked with Rapino, Lavelle, Lissomer, Marajan, Uhadi, Fishlock, and King, and everybody, and Balser, and everybody else they've got. They're obviously not all going to play, and we don't know how it's going to work in midfield unless they just don't play with a defensive midfielder, which you can do in the NWSL if you want, I suppose. Nobody's going to stop you. All vibes, no defense. Yeah, really. Um, But this team has the potential to get very interesting, I think. Mm -hmm. What, what's your i don't even know when they play play the pride i haven't looked it up yet um it's coming up soon it's uh my brain is so much just on the week to week right now with the two teams because they're live radio is always a wondrous thing <laughs> uh, so i will look it up while we are chatting um but i you know okay july 24th in orlando Mm-hmm. which means the Olympic players will be gone, but Marajan will be there. Mm-hmm. Le Sommet will definitely be there. Uh, Buhadi will be there. Um, look, these are players who we've all watched 
enough, plenty. I guess I'm sort of philosophically, what do you what do you make of of OL pulling the trigger and sending some of the big stars over here to to play for a while? Yeah, I mean that was going to be my my one big kind of thought on them for this this season is that. I think a lot of people were um, rightfully skeptical of what that partnership was going to look like just because we hadn't really seen anything like that before. And so far it is really looking like it's, it's going to pay off for, for possibly both clubs, just being able to kind of keep, um, you know, sending players back and forth in this way and having kind of this, almost like an extended talent pool, which is kind of incredible to see just the amount of talent that they have amassed in it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that that game specifically is going to be extremely interesting, especially with having, you know, Ali Riley and Alex Morgan out. That's going to be very, very interesting time. And, and Marta obviously as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I really, I really think that, again, we talked about parody before, um, I think that that's one of the big things that we've seen from the season in a bigger way than we've seen it in the past, which is great, especially as expansion is coming. Um, and I think that having that extended talent pool and actually using it actually, like you said, sending those big stars over, letting them play in a different league, giving them that experience, that exposure, I think it's going to be really good for the game. Um, and, you know, when you're just kind of looking at it as someone who's just following the women's game, I think it's just, it's, only positive. It can only be positive for, for the club and for the league. I'm going to ask you a question for which you are welcome to plead the fifth. If you so choose, what do you make of Rose Lavelle coming back? Um, I mean, I think it's always good to have the, again, when you're talking about what's good for the league, it's always good to have the big stars like Rose domestic. Um, she definitely was struggling uh, with the playing time situation um, while she was in England and I think that was a pretty public concern for a lot of women's national team fans. Uh, I think the big question with Lavelle is just always if she's able to keep her health up um, in, in a way where she can play for club and country. And she's someone whose career has been able to be really successful with her being able to, to be fit and healthy for just kind of country duty and then really struggling with that at the club level. But I would love it's been so refreshing to see players like Alex Morgan and Megan Rapino who haven't been able to get on the pitch for club as much recently. It's been very refreshing to see them like really getting in and just like balling out in some yeah. of these early games. I mean, that's just been, it's been a blast. And so the idea of seeing her and Rose uh, Rapino and Rose together going up against some of these other, you know, big duos that are on some of these other teams, it's just, it's, I think it's fun as hell. Like I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for that. I, I cannot repeat the entirety of Megan Rapinoe's post-game remarks <laughs> after the game in Portland, but I'm sure you all have read them already. If you haven't go look them up, you'll find them. Meg Linehan, I think put them out there. They're probably on equalizer too. You can go find them. I, I can't, I'd like to, <laughs> but I'm not going to do it. Um, <laughs> verbatim say uh, quite everything that Rapino said. Um, naturally the rain host Washington in what should be Rose Lavelle's first game back in the league had to be it, why I don't know how it happens that way, but it always does. Um, Gotham hosts the thorns, which I think has the potential to be quite a bonanza. 
not least with the biggest crowd of the season at Red Bull Arena, where the capacity limits are pretty well off at this point. They're going to sell the lower bowl, which is going to be sell out, but they have what they are selling is the lower bowl of Red Bull Arena, which is around 10,000. And if people ready to, are ready to get out and about, which I gather in New York and New Jersey, they are. Uh, I think they may draw a half decent crowd this Sunday uh, for a game that, as I said, unfortunately, I can't go to, uh, but would like to. Um, we've got a Julia Poe Derby on Sunday evening, Orlando, Kansas City. Uh, we've got, let's see, the Rain Washington, I already mentioned. Saturday is Houston, Chicago. That, I believe, is the CBS Sports Network game of the weekend. And I will refer here to something that I said in my midweek games to watch column, uh, which is that I understand why you cannot put the thorns and the pride on every single CBS game. But sometimes you ought to put the thorns and the pride on CBS when they're playing against each other. Just an idea. Suggestion. Uh, It's a good suggestion. Friday night. I don't know what time this show is going to go up. So we'll just say that Friday night, the game is North Carolina, Louisville. Louisville, as we mentioned, doing pretty well so far. Carolina, not as of yet. A draw and a loss, but um, they have got a fair few. Well, they have got, I will say, a fair few reinforcements coming over the horizon. Has James, Sam Mewis, potentially Abby Dahlkamper coming back, which is going to stir up a hornet's nest on both sides of the Atlantic. I can already see it coming. But Sam, you know, was going to get a couple games in before going to Olympic camp. And uh, it's top of the list of players in the NWSL who I would not bet against is Sam Mewis. I'm going to be very interested if she plays Friday night. And again, this show may be out before then, I realize. I think we're going to get an interesting little barometer of how good Louisville is. Mm-hmm. Uh, playing Carolina. Julie, what do you, I mean, I know, Again, you have not had time to watch every team around the league, but um, you're within earshot, at least of the courage. And I know they get talked about a lot down there. Are you, you are you like me sort of figuring that, that it's not going to be this rough the rest of the way? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that bringing uh, anytime you bring us in, it's just, it's, it's such a huge game changer. I mean, I remember talking to Mark um, before, the pride played the courage and um, he literally was talking about how, you know, that that's a, a night and day difference uh, just in terms of what the midfield is going to look like. Um, I think something that North Carolina, what has worked for them in the past is what Paul Riley has talked about, about being willing to, to hedge a little bit more on the offense and give up a little bit more on the defense. And that has worked for them. And I think that bringing in Mewis and definitely bringing in Dahl Kemper, like you said, that changes what they're really hedging because both of those players disrupt so much of opposing teams attacks that you can still feel like you're hedging towards your offense, but have a lot more defensive stability than a lot of teams are able to have. So yeah, I, I I would not be overly concerned for them. They're still kind of assembling their pieces and getting their parts together and some of their top goal scorers. I mean, even that Orlando game, Davinia missed a sitter, which you never see happen. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if that's going to happen again this season in the end of this season, <laughs> just because she's such a sure bet. Um, so I think I would not be concerned by that. Not saying that the pride did not deserve uh, that result, but just, you know, there, there were 
moments where bounces and and you know like like that that miss by Davinia that kind of went the pride's way that I think other nights North Carolina is able to get back and that result looks a little different so it's it was a close match it was not like they were you know getting blown out at the start of the season I owe my producer Kevin Laramie a commercial break so I'm going to drop that in here sell a few ads and we'll come back in just a minute on the women's soccer review here on the sports podcasting network Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to the Women's Soccer Review here on the Sports Podcasting Network. Jonathan Tannenwald of the Philadelphia Inquirer with my dear friend Julia Poe of the Orlando Sentinel. We've touched on every team at this point except the Houston Dash. Uh, and we saved the last place team for last. I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know how fair it is to judge them yet as, with all of these teams. Um, but they're going to be in the spotlight this weekend because they've got the national TV slot. And if you can't beat the spirit at home when the spirit are down a player and you're playing that game at home in quotes after it got moved to your home turf and you didn't have to travel anywhere. Um, and Rachel Daly is going to go to team GB at some point here. I, I'm going to say this team has a little bit of work to do. It's certainly doable. Their next couple games are Chicago at home at Kansas city at Louisville. And then they host the pride at the end of the month. I suppose we'll see, but have have you, is that also on the list of teams that you have not quite been able to get a read on? Yeah. I haven't been able to watch them as much as I would like, um, which is unfortunate, but I also think that the, the bit I've been able to see them, it's so hard. Cause we're, I mean, we're, we're in the, what in the middle of week two, basically. And I almost feel like this point of the season is harder to judge teams on than even like the preseason, because yeah. it's just, it's so early. It's so easy to make oversimplified, you know, thoughts about something. And, and, and then, you know, the team will shore that up in week three and it won't be a problem the rest of the year. But I do think that some of the, the organization just has not seemed to be there for Houston. Some of the, the shape that they've been able 
to hold has just not really been there. And, and we're so used to seeing them just be, I mean, I think I've used the word ruthless already on this podcast, but I mean, that that's when I think about what Houston looked like last year, it, it was that ruthlessness. And um, especially when you're losing daily, like you said, to international duty, again, that they're going to need to have other players that can step up and can hone that in and keep that going. And, um, you know, like, like you said, they've got some work to do. I think there's a lot of teams in the league that are at that point, but it definitely is a little bit of a gut check for them, especially after, you know, all the momentum that they were riding through last year. It's kind of that grounding clarity check where it's like, okay, no, that that's last year's gone and you have to level out and kind of figure out what's going to work this year. Cause I really do think a lot of clubs have taken a step up in quality this year. um, Just coming into a, a normal season after the pandemic. It's such a weird construct too because we had the challenge cup and everybody flipped out over it and i kept saying to myself it's not even the regular season yet what are we going to do when the regular season starts Mm -hmm. and i live as you know in the nation's capital of short-term sports hot takes of small sample sizes Uh, if anybody in boston or chicago or pittsburgh or whatever wants to fight over that you all go fine go ahead i'm just telling you that um, Rule number one, never fight someone from Philly. I Look, I'm not even from here. And I know that plenty well because I don't do it. <laughs> I don't do it. Put your head down and just walk the other yeah. way. They'll pull, they'll pull the batteries out. They'll be no, ready to I, go. They, they, well, it's the popcorn moment, as you may have seen. <laughs> I have seen. And they, they, to the Wells Fargo Center's eternal credit, they banned that guy in about 16 hours after it happened. Um. Um, I, I don't know. I think we've gone through. Oh, I know the team we haven't gone through yet. We haven't talked much about Gotham, which is the team that I'm supposed to care the most about because they're the one closest to me. And they're the one I'm going to watch, as I said, in a couple of weeks. And you know, my boss fairly well, you used to work with him. And so we're talking today about, well, what happens if Carly Lloyd doesn't make the Olympics? And I said, well, we're not going to know that for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. However, as my voice cracks wonderfully there, I do think that she needs to score just a few more goals before that plane ticket is punched all the way, whether they mm-hmm. come for Gotham or whether they come for the national team. But I suspect it sure would help if they'd come for Gotham and two of the highest profile home games are going to play this year up against the Thorns and the, uh, the Rain upcoming and look i like a lot of what i've seen out of gotham this year they are defensively very solid they've got the flanks cooking with um margaret purse and a bunch of other players i'm a little surprised that soda emily hasn't played as much as i thought she would but right now the clock is ticking until brianna pinto's debut um I don't know. I'm preface what I'm about to say. I don't know when it's going to be. But personally, I'm kind of hoping that it's going to be June 5th and not just because I'm going to be there, but because when Rapino and Lavelle come to town, if that's when she, if that's when she makes her pro debut, that's going to make it more electric. Mm-hmm. I would say. Um, you've watched Mitch Purse this year at the club level and at the national team level in Orlando Mm -hmm. at the She Believes Cup. 
how do you how do you assess her at the moment? I, I would, you know, is she 24th out of 18? Is she 19th out of I mean, I don't think she's 18th out of 18. But, you know, how how high up that list do you think she is at this point? I think she's close. I wouldn't put her. I would not put her at 24th. Um, I think one of the things that's hard with purse. Um, and I mean, I'm not saying anything new. I think everyone knows this about one of her pros is her versatility, but the con is that uh, of that, the flip side of that is that we see her at a lot of positions, but we don't get to see her necessarily specializing at one. Um, and she has had really, really strong showings. Um, she had one really, really strong showing in the, she believes cup where I was very, very impressed. Um, I still think that the level of consistency that's necessary for the national team, um, it, it might not be quite there yet, but again, I, I'm not watching her at the club level. So that's where you really see that consistency of a player game in and game out. And I'm unfortunately not able to catch all of her games. Um, the showings that she's had in Orlando, I don't know if she just likes Exploria stadium or what it is, but she always plays well there. Um, and uh, so I kind of get a, treat whenever she's in town because she's always on kind of that next foot up for some reason. Um, but I definitely think that she's working up her way on that list. I think, unfortunately, she's just kind of looking at a short runway here where, you know, like you said, we've got two more little series and that send off series that the roster will already be set by then. So it's just such a short time to really be able to punch her ticket. And, uh, and I think you're definitely right that it'll take a lot in these next couple of NWSL games to really turn the tide for a lot of players in, in that regard. She scored a terrific goal against Houston mm-hmm. uh, in the regular season opener. And I just, you know, I think she's got a real big opportunity in front of her right now to, to put her stamp on this Gotham FC team in the coming weeks, especially during the Olympics, she's going to be the biggest attraction. And one of, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of veterans in that group, but they are, there's not anybody who has quite yet hit the heights out of that veteran lot that purse has. And I think that, you know, I, I don't, I try very hard to not get trying to figure out how to say this in real time. The nature of the women's soccer fan is that they go off about this player or that a lot, you know? And there are days when, for very good reason, Purse is one of those players. I think she's terrific. She's mm-hmm. a terrific person, too. I just, my, the nature of my brain and the nature of my job is that I don't get caught up in that as much as other people do. Mm-hmm. But I do think that she's got a big opportunity coming in the next few weeks and months to really put her stamp on this team. And if it's as a winger, it's as a winger. If it's every, I don't know whether I've said this before on this show or not. I know I've said it to people generally. Every time that we have talked to her and that she says, said that she wants to get better at playing right back. My sort of internal visceral response is, am I supposed to not believe her? 
I feel like she should have the agency in what she says, so I'm inclined mm-hmm. to believe her. Um, and the way that Gotham plays, there's a lot of overlap between the outside backs and the wingers. So it's not like she's not playing any defense and whatnot. I, 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 but she's definitely going to be the, the center of attention for much of the summer while Lloyd is presumably gone. Mm-hmm. At this point, I'm assuming that she's going. And then we're going to see what Brianna Pinto does to that midfield, whether she jumps right in or whether, whether she jumps, whether she is thrown right in, in addition to jumping um, and whether, or whether they, they take it slowly and don't try to overcook the hype train quite out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a good team. And I think more and more people are going to see that, especially, as I said, in these next two weeks, when they should be drawing some pretty sizable crowds to Red Bull Arena if people are willing to go out. And I think the New York sports fans have demonstrated over the last few days that they are ready and willing to go out. So perhaps they'll go to Red Bull Arena too. Um, anything I haven't touched on that you want to say? I'd say the the one pride thing that I haven't spoken about that I feel like I, it would be um, – I'd be at a loss if I didn't talk about is Sydney LaRue. I mean, the season that she is having already. And for me personally, covering the team, I felt this coming for the last year. I have never seen someone prepare and train with a vengeance like she has been doing for the last year and a half to get ready for this comeback. Um, but the form that she has come out in to start this season the level of defending that she is doing as a striker, the way that she is working alongside Alex Morgan. Um, I know some, some pride fans and just national team fans in general have spoken up about how, you know, they, they think she should be getting a call now from the national team. Um, and she's been pretty open about the fact that she's waiting. She has a very good uh, relationship with black coast. So she doesn't feel like she really needs to, to push that. And she's spoken before about kind of, wanting to take her time and build into some time with the pride before she and Blotco really sit down and have that conversation again. But obviously everything's about consistency. It's easy to get on a hot streak, but the way that she's been playing, we talked before about Morgan doing the dirty work. I mean, Sydney's right up there with her doing just as much dirty work. And I think having two strikers like that, when they're both healthy and available, who are doing that much of the, you know, glamorized side of the game. And then also that much of just getting down in the dirt and being willing to, you know, put people on the ground, be put into the ground. I mean, it's, it's really, that is the other side of the coin of what's making Alex Morgan look so good right now. And I think that sometimes that can be easy, easily looked over. Um, But LaRue is powering Morgan and vice versa. And it's, it's, I'm interested to see what that'll look like when Morgan goes to the Olympics. I don't think that Sydney will necessarily drop off, but it will be very different when you have to slot in, you know, Taylor Korniak or another player like that. So that's, that's just the one thing I would say, I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't bring that up for Orlando. Um, Cause obviously Alex Morgan is kind of the name right now, but Sydney's fully making that comeback that she's been waiting, uh, you know, over a year for. It has been a long time mm-hmm. and I was probably in the caucus of those under the impression that her time with the national team was likely over. It will be an almighty story if she 
gets called back up on form and accomplishment. I'm going to assume it would not be until after the Olympics, but still mm-hmm. just, just the possibility is really quite something is your set by you mentioned, by the way, her dynamic with Morgan is Korniak the second striker when Morgan's gone. Yeah. So they're still kind of playing around with it. Um, that was initially what she was drafted with the idea of doing is they're trying to mold Taylor from being a pure attacking midfielder to moving up into an attacking midfielder slash forward and kind of, you know, being able to move her between those two positions. So as far as Mark has said previously, yes, the plan is that when Alex is gone, Taylor moves up into that high central role and they're doing that together. That is going to be a very different dynamic. Alex and Taylor are very different players. Um, and so I'm interested to see what that looks like. And then also who comes in underneath them then. But um, it, it should be really interesting to watch. Korniak has been coming on in a really uh, strong way so far this season. So she'll, she'll have a, a huge opportunity this summer while Morgan's gone. Very interesting bit of theory there. And um, I do think the Pride are going to be one of the more interesting teams to watch this summer as to whether they can keep this up. This has been terrific as always. Um, we're, we're doing this a little later Thursday night than I think we would have originally planned because of various upendings of our respective schedules. So I appreciate it. Uh, you staying up late and coming on and for Harper behaving relatively during, we, we take natural sound during the show. You know, we don't mind that I've had construction. I've had, construction outside my window for the last couple of weeks to the point where I had to go into the newsroom all of last week because I couldn't tolerate it. I hadn't worked multiple days in a row in the newsroom in 14 months. I've been fully vaccinated for a while, so I was okay with it. But um, yeah, we're, 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 we're a natural sound show. We don't have a fancy recording studio or whatnot. Um, going to look up one other thing very quickly before i sign off which is there we go. i'm not going to see you until september i don't I know. think i know when really- orlando city comes to play the philly union um i'm probably i haven't said this on the show yet i'm probably going to go to the women's international championship cup i I, I doubt you can because you probably got too much going on. Um, I've, I've thought about it. I've eyed that before because we have, we have a game in Nashville, like right before it. And Nashville is not that far from Louisville. And my folks. No, sorry. I mean, I'm the one in Portland. Oh, the one in Portland. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, no, I'm going, I'm trying to go to the one in Portland for part of my summer vacation, but no, yeah. Um, Julia is one of the lucky souls who gets to travel with the team that she covers. Um, and Orlando City does not play the Philadelphia Union until September 19th. And I don't, you've not been up here the whole time you've been on the beat, have you? Mm-mm, I have not because Jeez. it was, it was the first game after I started. So I didn't have like my card or anything yet. And yeah. they, they weren't going to send me out there to, to fly that early they were not ready to release me from the nest but now i'm now i'm seasoned and back we're we're getting back into traveling in the next few weeks which is going to be crazy after like a year and a half of not doing it 
No, I, I haven't gotten on a plane yet. Mm-mm. That will come for me in July when I go to visit my some some family out in out in Denver. Um, but no, you're traveling. Pat Brennan, who's out in Cincinnati, who is also on the Rose Lavelle beat, by the way, and and is very good at it. Uh, Drake Hills in Nashville is traveling, and beyond that, I think folks probably know there's not a whole lot of us in the first place in this business. Yeah. yeah. At this point, but Julia is one of the really lucky ones, and. So I said last time she was on the show, I'm so thrilled that she gets to be that because she was stud here and has only gotten better since then. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for having me on. This was a lot of fun. Next show, mid-June, probably right before the U.S. women play their friendly series, which I guess is not all that long from now, come to think of it. Uh, We'll do something around there and try to figure out what the state of this national team roster is. Uh, and we will stay indoors. I'm not going out in that heat in Orlando. I wouldn't dare set foot in Austin at this time of year. <laughs> um, it, it, I give Vlatko all the credit in the world for wanting to play games in the hot weather to simulate what it's going to be like in Japan. But uh, as I said earlier, I've been in Orlando once for a game, and it was in October, and that was enough as was. It is, it is a lot. It's a lot. So uh, good luck with the electric bill. And uh, – We'll talk again down the road. For Julia Poe, the Orlando Sentinel, this is Jonathan Tannenwald of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Women's Soccer Review here on the Sports Podcasting Network. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com.